What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number seven of Rape Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or just hit us up at Ready Play Movies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new, new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is March 2nd, 2021, and I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Troy, Troy Bracey. Let's go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I had to nice. get a little bit more excitement to it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, there you go. Hey, you got to keep me on my toes as well. I've been doing this for like eight weeks now, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, that's another thing that we need to bring up for housekeeping is that we're on week eight of this uh, of this show being a thing, and uh, we need to get the episode count right. So we're doubling up. You're getting another episode. Episode number eight is coming this Saturday. We've already recorded it already, so it's in the can. And uh, I'm very excited for you guys to listen to it. It was a good. It was a good show. I had a good time, and uh, I feel like we should be doing more shows like it. Yeah, for sure. That was a great show. So um, we'll be back on track. So next Tuesday, you can listen to us at, our, at the regular time as well, where we, where we will be back with episode number nine. So get plenty of uh, content uh, um, heading down the pipeline as well. So with that being said, Troy, you know, you know what time of the month it is? Yes, sir. It's the beginning of the month, which means it's time for back. us. Yep. It's time for us to go back to the future. Marty! You've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. So, in this segment, uh, we cover uh, the anniversaries, the 5, the 10, the 20, all, all, the, all the big milestones for all these movies that, that uh, got released into theaters. So, uh, I just, I wanted to try something different with this one. Is like, I wanted to, uh, with every time we do this segment, I go back a little bit further and further, and I try to go back 50 years, and things didn't, got, uh, things didn't go quite so well as I planned. So, we'll get there as, uh, as we get to it, but... I I always like the five and the ten year anniversaries because they're like they feel more recent and like I I remember like the time and place where I was. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and first uh, get to the five year anniversary, March 2016. Uh, we had Zootopia come out. London has fallen. Um, an anim an anime movie called The Boy and the Beast. Then Ten Cloverfield Lane. The Brothers Grimsby. Grimsby. Uh, Miracles from Heaven. Allegiant. Midnight Special, BVS, like Batman yeah. versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. So, uh, Troy, what do you got for me on these on these movies? Like, how how do you feel about this uh, this month being all over the place? Now, this shit is crazy because this five years that went by the fastest because, like, every single name that you've named except two. I didn't see The Boy and the Beast, and I didn't see... Which one? The Miracles from Heaven. I didn't see those two. But every other movie that you name, I have I remember seeing them in theaters. It's crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that that's how close I felt like this that is. Like that's that's absurd that I could pretty much remember seeing all those in theaters and especially Batman v Superman Donald Justice. I remember that night like exact you know what I'm saying? So it's it's crazy that that's five years ago, all these movies. That just blows my mind right there. 
Yeah. So I, I, in recent years, like March has become like the like a, a semi blockbuster season and stuff. Like uh, yeah. March wasn't like that before, but now it's like with spring break. I want to say like in March of '07, we started seeing like March being taken seriously as like a a, a viable big budget movie, you know, dropping and stuff. And uh, yeah. uh, I remember Zootopia, and I don't know how revisionist history uh, treats Zootopia, but everyone liked it at the time, and. I want to say there's been like a little mini backlash about that movie. Not that it, not that it mattered anyway. Um, Allegiant, uh, man, that Divergent series fell off a cliff real fast. It was trash. <laughs> uh, the Brothers Grimsby, Grimsby. I just want to know, like, is that movie like is that movie even good? Because I know it was starring um, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. I, I know that one, but uh, um, what you call it? I remember. Uh, liking it, but I remember it getting bad reviews, so I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how that one go fall. Yeah, now, I will say, 10 Cloverfield Lane, I feel like the first half of the movie was better than the second half of the movie. Well, see, that with that movie, that, that movie it was, was one of those movies that frustrate me in Hollywood, because that movie shouldn't have been... Um, part of the Cloverfield universe. It shouldn't have been part of the Cloverfield universe. If you made that its own movie, and then you just chop off the end, literally, it's a different like movie, franchise yeah. it's just a good movie you know but then it's like they tried to force how it you know tied to cloverfield at the end it was so goofy uh um, <laughs> like so it was like i don't even know if i like that movie because i like it but then i don't like how y'all forced cloverfield in it It didn't match the movie at all it had zero to do with the movie so you like wait a minute what so yeah uh, i mean that was one of those movies that i remember enjoying in theaters yeah, uh, it's a called uh, with with Ted Cloverfield Lane. It was originally like a just some script, and you can tell just by the first half of the movie how it was like this psychological thriller type situation and stuff, and that whole sci-fi thing just kind of felt tonally different and out of place. Yeah. Um, and you can tell like they were going for a completely different vo- vibe, and I would imagine even more so that it would have been probably uh, better for the movie if the movie was left more open-ended and less and more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I just want to say, as far as London has fallen, I've seen. I think I see. All, I've seen all three Gerard Butler movies. I think it started off with uh, Olympus has fallen, Olympus and then this was. Fallen. Yeah, and then we get to uh, London has fallen, and then there was a third movie. I forgot what it's called, but I think uh, and it like damn it, what was the last one? Paris. <laughs> I, I remember only liking the first one. <laughs> yeah, the first one was actually the only good one. I don't, but yeah, yeah, I watched all three of them in theaters. Uh, it was trash, but you know it is. It is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a midnight special. I never even heard about it until after it came out on like HBO or whatever. So like in like in home like to watch, but it was a good movie. It starred Zod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and move on to 10 years ago, March, 2011. And now I am like, you know, a couple of months into my new job back in March of 2011. So I remember like, I still, I was still working at the movie theater. Cause like I actually held my job at the movie theater until 2013, where I was working at my current job and at the movie theaters at the same time. So, Damn. um, this one, so these uh, these movies, like I just remember hanging up the poster on the on the walls and everything, and I just yeah. So we got the Johnny Depp movie Rango, then the Matt Damon movie The Adjustment Bureau, and then Take Me Home Tonight, Beastly, Battle Los Angeles, Mars Needs Moms, the um, Amanda Seyfried movie Red Riding Hood, uh, Jane Eyre, uh, the Paul uh, Paul, which is a Seth Rogen alien movie, where he voices the alien. 
there's a Bradley Cooper movie called Limitless, and then there was a Matthew McConaughey movie called The Lincoln Lawyer, which scored him all those Lincoln car commercials. <laughs> and then <laughs> there's Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick's Rules, which was the second movie in the franchise. And then there was um, a uh, another uh, like this is two marches here in these in a row from 2016 to 2011, where we got Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch. Mm. So, uh, do you remember any of these movies or uh, yeah. anything? Yeah, Zack, Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch was utter trash. I remember what? that being. A, yeah, that that was utter trash. I'm not even gonna lie, and I oh like Zack God. Snyder. I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan, but that would like if you were to say which one of his movies to me was bad, other than like Batman v Superman, that's the one that's bad. I, I don't like Sucker Punch at all. Uh, I like that movie. That's messed up. But I actually, I'm pretty sure I like that movie because uh, I was like, you know. I think I was like 22 years old and hot girls kicking ass. I yeah, think I didn't really care the about the plot. Was atrocious. Like it was visually just all visuals. It, literally all cool visuals. trailer. Cool yeah, trailer. It, it was like a trailer. Yeah, it was like a two hour something trailer. Like it was terrible. <laughs> and then um, I, the Lincoln Lawyer is so good. I didn't even see it when like it was in theaters or nothing. I just seen it over time. But like I, I had no clue this is when it came out. I just liked the Lincoln Lawyer. And uh, I remember watching uh, Red Riding Hood in theaters. <clears throat> And uh, I I just didn't like it. I, I don't remember what I don't remember. To be honest, I don't remember that movie. I don't remember why I didn't like it. I just remember something felt wrong about it. But I, I don't know. Maybe if I rewatch it, I like it. But I remember at the time I didn't like it. But other than that, I haven't. I don't even think I've seen the rest of these movies. I've seen the Adjustment Bureau. Um, this like see the thing is I've seen a lot of these movies, but I don't remember them. Like I mean, like. It just kind of fades over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's probably because they're forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucked up. Uh, yeah, but you're right. They're not like classics, you know. Yeah. Um, like I would say, Limitless is actually the only one that really stands out for me. Uh, number one, I do remember that movie pretty well, and I I wish I had that pill. I wish that pill were real and I could just be Limitless. Yeah. Um, and then there was a cool ending, and then they've also made like you know a series spinoff of that, or whatever. There's like a I don't know if it's Prime Video or something like that, but it's still. Uh, you know, current today, I would say. Uh, plus, not to mention, like, I remember, like, years later, uh, like, there was this, like, this huge, uh, not scandal, but, like, this story in college campuses where, where uh, students were taking Adderall uh, to study. Oh, shit to study for tests and stuff like that. So it helps you focus. And basically they were, I remember comparing Adderall to, to the limitless pill. And I was like, <laughs> so, uh, by the way, I just want to say battle Los Angeles. That was a cool action movie. I remember it was starring, um, God, I remember who was the Harvey Dent in the dark Knight. I can't remember. Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. That's the one. Oh yeah. 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 So anyways, let's go ahead and move on to 15 years, which, which, which takes us to March of 2006. I remember these movies, by the way. Again, this is that era where I was going to the Dollar Theater. I think I told you about that last yeah, time in, yeah. in February of 06. Uh, we got 16 Blocks, which was a uh, Bruce Willis most deaf movie. Uh, Ultraviolet, which was Mia Jovovic. Aquamarine, which I think was Emma Roberts, I want to say. And then there was Dave Chappelle's Block Party. And then there was an IMAX movie called Deep Sea. Then there was an Oscar-winning movie called Transamerica, where I think it was Felicity Huffman was playing a transgender character. There was a Tim Allen, um, The Shaggy Dog. And then there was a Matthew McConaughey and, and uh, damn, Jessica Par uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Fa Failure to Launch. And then there was that uh, scary movie, The Hills Have Eyes. And then... By the way, I completely forgot that this was a March joint because for some odd reason, I always thought, remember, remember the 5th of November. I remember, I, I thought that this movie came out in, in theaters in November, but it was actually March of 06, V for Vendetta, starring <laughs> Natalie Portman. Yeah. 
And then She's the Man, which is, I believe, is Amanda Bynes. And then there was a Vin Diesel movie. Oh, that's a good one. Find Me Guilty, where he plays his own lawyer. And there was uh, The Zodiac and Thank You for Smoking, which is also starring Aaron Eckhart. Um, Inside Man, which was, I believe, the Denzel movie. And, uh, yeah, and Stay Alive. And then there was Larry the Cable Guy, Health Inspector. And Ice Age, The Meltdown, which I want to say was the second movie in the franchise. And then if I'm, I could be wrong because there was like 10 of them. And then there was Slither and then Basic Instinct 2. And lastly, there was a, uh, a noir movie st- uh, starring Joseph, uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's called Brick. I remember seeing that movie. Oh, so, Brick came out? Damn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you remember that movie? Because uh, like, yeah. I, I felt like that one was like kind of like very niche because it was like it was a uh, he was it was, it was a, like a modern day noir movie. Well, it was well I I didn't see it when it came out, but I seen it over time. That's actually Ryan Johnson, the director of uh the uh, Rise of Skywalker. I mean, uh, yeah, the Last Jedi, yeah, uh, and Looper and all that. He directed that, but uh, I didn't see it when it came out, of course. But I I end up that ended up being one of my favorite movies. Yeah, uh, along most the line. People it's just a true master of storytelling. Like, you know what I'm saying? It don't like when you watch that movie, it doesn't even feel like it's a like a Hollywood movie or something. It's like someone made that in their backyard with their friends. <laughs> like, but it's so dark and good. Yeah, the uh, brick. I watched it like back in the day, not in theaters, but when it came out, right, like brand new release on Blockbuster. Because yeah. that movie, uh, brick, actually was a limited release movie and it never it never opened wide in theaters from yeah. what I was able to research, but. Yeah, like um, V for Vendetta. I feel like uh, that movie's still relevant even to this day. Um, yeah. uh, see, I think I, I'm like I have like this uh, this love hate relationship with like the movie called Failure to Launch. I saw it back in the day. It was really funny. It had Terry Bradshaw when he was stealing all these scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But also like <laughs> that movie kind of like hits too close to home for uh, for me. And then. Um, yeah, I think this was a better. I think February of 06 or March of 06 was a little bit better than what we had in March of of yeah. 2011, though. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's go ahead and proceed to, to the 20 year anniversary, which is March of 2001. We briefly, I briefly name dropped uh, the movie, uh, this Brad Pitt movie called The Mexican in episode eight. So. That's interesting. I didn't really time it that way. Yeah. So that movie turns 20 years old, as well as a movie called Sea Spot Run. And I actually, really weird, I remember a lot of stuff about that movie. I remember a lot of scenes in that movie. Um, so that's crazy that that one is the one I decided to keep in my memory banks. Um, I think it was starring David Arquette and a bunch of uh, other actors. Uh, damn, I can't remember their names right now. But anyways, let's move on. 15 Minutes. Now, have you heard of this movie? No, I never heard of it. Oh, man, it's starring Robert De Niro. It's a really good movie. Uh, I watched it when it came out on DVD. And uh, what's it called? It's uh, there's like Robert De Niro and his partner are like cops and they're looking for uh, these two serial killers. And what they were doing was they were filming them uh, killing their victims to become like famous to like to blow up for for infamy and stuff. So that movie is crazy insane and i'm not going to give away anything in that movie it's something worth uh, looking into next up is uh get over it and then a dmx movie uh, and steve i think dmx or steven seagal it's one of these one of these guys but the same the same studio exit wounds which led to like x gonna give it to you that kind of stuff (laughs) then there was uh enemy at the gates memento or christopher nolan joint heartbreakers say it isn't so the brothers Spy Kids, Tomcats, and Someone Like You. 
Damn. Not not too shabby. Not too shabby a lineup there. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so with Spy Kids, I feel like that franchise was – they probably could have stopped at Spy Kids too, and then it would have been a victory, but they had to completely ruin it. But it is yeah. what it is. Uh, Memento, yeah, it's still worth watching even to this day. And uh, I don't know. Something something about the, the title Enemy at the Gates makes me think that I should know what this is, but I don't. Um, anything that you want to say about any of these movies? Well, yeah, uh, I, Spy Kids, the first one was like such a good movie. I think people forget how good that was. I seen it recently when uh, Alita Battle Angel came out because the same director did that, Rodriguez. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I remember just rewatching it just to watch some of his movies, and I was actually surprised that it was good. I actually didn't see it since it like I was little, so <clears throat> I didn't remember yeah. if it was good or not, but. It, it was really up. a. It was actually a solid movie. I'm like, man. And then Memento, of course. I still think to this day, Memento was Christopher Nolan's best film to this day. Uh, Damn. Yeah, yeah. That's over The Dark Knight. That's over, you know, Dunkirk, Inception, all that. I think Memento is his best work of art. Uh, it's a true masterpiece, and it's revolutionary. And um, I think those are the only two I've seen on this list. Okay. Wow, I mean, I think I've I've seen a bunch of these. I remember Exit Wounds. It was like Exit Wounds was one of the movies. Like it was Romeo must die, Exit Wounds, and then it led it led to Cradle to the Grave, which was like a, oh, yeah, the crossover. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So like, um, it was yeah. That's how it sort of like I remember like, and I don't even think they're like the same franchise. They're just like the same actors, I guess. I don't think they were playing the same characters across both all three movies. Have you seen but, Memento, Christopher Nolan yeah. Memento? Mm -hmm. I okay. did. I watched yeah. it like, I don't know, like five years ago for the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I just got to say, I, I do remember like uh, the Mexican because uh, Brad Pitt uh, was, was, I don't know why they, he's playing that. He's, they got the title of that movie, but anyways, <laughs> he was in Mexico in the beginning of the movie. He's in Mexico. And I guess it was like new years and stuff. And yeah. then they were like the, these, uh, these characters, these, these Mexican characters in the background were, were shooting guns into the air, like pop, pop, pop. Like, I guess, cause it was like a fireworks celebration kind of thing where they're just shooting guns in the air. Yeah. And then like a character, then one of the bullets like comes back down and like kills somebody like shoots him right in the head like boom coming downwards God, and they die God. like that i'm like damn and then julia roberts's character gets kidnapped or whatever i think it's james candelfini was in it yeah. um or i might be misremembering that the actors next up march 1996 now this is the 25 year anniversary i remember uh surprisingly i remember a bunch of these movies um down periscope what was starring Kelsey Grammer, Up Close and Personal, Homeward Bound 2, Lost in San Francisco, which I have on VHS behind me, The Birdcage, Hellraiser 2, Bloodline, If Lucy Fell, Fargo, which was the basis of a, of a Fargo TV series that came out on FX, by the way, Executive Decision, starring Kurt Russell, Ed, which was starring Matt LeBlanc, uh, Diablique, Race the Sun, Girl 6, Sergeant Bilko, now, this was not a new release, but it, Oliver and Company got re-released the same exact weekend as All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. Disney fucked that. That's fucked up, Disney. You went after uh -huh. MGM's, like, uh, the same... It's the same animated, like, family audience and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, next up is... And lastly, the last one is a, something called A Family Thing. Never heard of it. But I have a couple of things to say on some of these movies, but do you have anything to say? Uh, I'll let you go first. 
the only one I seen was the masterpiece, the all time great movie Fargo, um, by really by, by the Cohen brothers. Uh, the, this is one of the Cohen brothers' masterpieces. It's a reason why they got all kind of spinoff shows and all that. Anybody that liked those sh- shows and stuff, go back and watch this movie. You'll see why it's a damn a, a masterpiece. Um, and the Cohen brothers, of course, they're the all some all time great directors. You got to put them in the top twenty, top fifty, somewhere around there. So Fargo is what stands out to me. Really, that's interesting because uh, I Fargo didn't even get like a wide release. It was the only one on this list that I, that was a limited release. Yeah, I decided but to put it, it got on a lot there. of Oscar wins, though. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> I only put it on there because I know I know how, that Fargo is relevant now. Uh, oh, really? Wow, because of, uh, of the series. Because of the series, and I think then, they uh, won Best Director and Best Picture for that, if I'm not mistaken. Dang. Yeah, Fargo is a masterpiece. So I remember watching Down Periscope uh, back in the day where uh, I was at the dollar uh, dollar theater, and this is a different dollar theater. Um, and uh, I remember like a lot of scenes where um, they're in this um, they're in this submarines playing these war games and stuff, and they're like tricking these other submarines and thinking they're using like echolocations, like a dolphin and stuff. And it was a comedy, obviously. And then there was a then they had Rob Schneider walk the plank and stuff, and it was crazy. It was funny. Um, also, uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that Sergeant Bilko, I watched this movie, uh, last year during the pandemic when we were just, you know, at home chilling and I was laughing my ass off watching Sergeant Bilko. I think it's still funny, but I was watching the movie with my, with my nieces and stuff. They didn't find that movie that funny. So I guess maybe I was just like, they may not, uh, I don't know. Teenagers may not like current day teenagers may not find it funny but i thought it held up and i I really liked it and uh i'm glad i have it on vhs because i was digitizing this is the time when i was digitizing stuff and i just decided to digitize uh sergeant bilko and i'm glad i did yeah next up march 1991 we have the 30 year mark and um not gonna lie i have not heard of majority of these movies but let's just see what we got here shipwrecked my heroes have always been cowboys the doors the Hard Way, New Jack City, The Perfect Weapon, If Looks Could Kill, Guilty by Suspicion, which is starring Robert De Niro, Class Action, Career Opportunities, The Five Heartbeats, and what really saves this list is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. No, the that destroyed this list. <laughs> the only thing I've heard about. Yeah. Oh, uh, I've I've actually heard of New Jack City. That's one of my favorite movies um, of all time. I, I really like uh, New Jack City. I grew up on that movie. Really? And, What's it about? Yeah, it's a, it's a hood movie. You know, oh. <laughs> yeah, it takes place in New York or whatever. And, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, but that I think that tells it a lot a, a lot in itself. Um, huh, interesting. And, and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Secret of the Ooze is also a movie I've seen. And it's also a movie I don't really like. I like the first Ninja Turtles, the the first one. That's an all time great classic. Uh, Secret of the Ooze, actually though, to be honest with Secret of the Ooze, the I think the reason why the movie sucks so bad is because they recast uh the the woman that, I forgot the woman that April, they be with. I forgot April her name. O'Neil. April O'Neil. Yeah, they recast April O'Neil, and it's like the other lady just couldn't act. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Wow. I, I see. I only watched the movies like on VHS as a kid, like growing up when we had the movies. And like I watched, I watched like the movies like um, together. And so I can't tell you which one's which. 
You know, oh, yeah, I, I know yeah. about Go Ninja, Go Ninja Go and all that. I know that I know about the Vanilla Vanilla Ice song and everything, but I don't remember what happened in what movie. So they just kind of blur together. So Yeah, yeah. Um, March 1986, well, the 35-year anniversary, Highlander, there could only be one. So, yeah, I just want to say that 35-year uh, uh, anniversary means it's older than me and Troy, so yeah. uh, most of these we've not heard about, but I just want to give a shout-out to Highlander, because, you know, it's Highlander. Mm-hmm. Um, Care Bears t- Movie 2, A New Generation, that did not <laughs> age that did not age well at all. <laughs> like nobody knows about no new new generation of Care Bears. Okay. <laughs> uh, Gung Ho, Crossroads, Hannah and her sisters. Now here's a good one. Police Academy Three, back in training. Now I, I I watch the Police Academy movies and stuff. Now they again I actually binge watched them like all back together when they were like on TV and they were airing them like Police Academy, Police Academy two, three, four, five. They were like like a marathon and stuff. And like I would watch them and I can't tell you which you know which movie was good. Did they dip in quality? I don't know. They all just kind of blend together. But shout out to the guy that does the, the sound effects with his mouth and stuff. And he's like you know making realistic sound effects. He was also in Spaceballs and stuff. So there's that. Uh, GoBots, Battle of the Rock Lords, April Fool's Day, The Money Pit, and Lucas. Now, have you watched any of these movies, or have you heard of any of these movies, besides the two that I already mentioned? Nah, I never heard of any of them, or seen them. Any of them at all? Like, at all? not at all. Wow. Okay, I guess I'm more cultured, but only (laughs) slightly, though. (laughs) Now... Um, this is where we start running dry on, on uh, Back to the Future, but I decided to go 40 years into March 1981, and I noticed that both in the 40-year anniversary and the 50-year anniversary, that all movies that were released in March were limited-release movies. Like, there were no brand-new, wide-release movies on any weekends, and I thought that was crazy. So, uh, I did see, though, that um, a movie called All Night Long... Uh, opened in limited release in March of 1981, and it starred Gene Hackman, Barbara Streisand, and Dennis Quaid. So I just decided to put that on there because I knew who the actors were. Um, The Postman Always Rings Twice, which was starring Jack Nicholson, and did not know how how old uh, this this franchise was, but uh, The Final Conflict came out in, uh, in March of 1981. And for those that don't know, that was the third movie in the Omen series. So it was like The Omen, um, then there was Damien, uh, The Omen 2, and then there was The Final Conflict. So um, like The Omen being like the, the kid was like the son of the, he was the Antichrist or whatever. So um, I just thought that was really interesting. So I decided to just put that on the list there. Okay. And, and lastly, 1971. March 1971 saw the limited release of a movie called The, Be- the Beguiled, and it was starring Clint Eastwood. Don't know anything about it, but there you go. Happy Damn, Bicentennial. I'm such a Clint Eastwood fan. How in the hell? I ain't never heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a Western, uh, but basically, yeah, that's a, the 50-year anniversary of that movie, and it's like it is quite literally our, our the first Bicentennial that we name-dropped in this whole series. So uh, hopefully maybe April of 1971 gives us something good and juicy. Uh, but yeah, so those are the uh, those are the uh, the big happy birthdays to these uh, movies and stuff. And uh, you know, it's crazy to to think how um, you know obviously movie release patterns change over time. But the fact that certain things you know you forget about and certain things you remember, and you know certain things you know stand the test of time and certain things don't. So uh, this is why I like I like doing the segment. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's go ahead and get on to some impressions here. So not gonna lie. 
I haven't been watching anything, so I can only talk about WandaVision. But have you seen anything this week? Hey, me too. I was about to say the same thing. I only seen WandaVision <laughs> over and over. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into some impressions here because I was right. We talked about it, and I said that this is going to be a flashback episode. And you're like, nah, they're just going to go right past it and continue on with the plot. And I'm like, nah, bruh. I'm telling you, fam, it's going to be a flashback episode. And here we are. Now, I'm going to say this right now. For it being a flashback episode, uh, two things are at play here. Number one. Majority of these things were already said before, like, uh, you know, in previous dialogue and previous MCU movies, like the the bomb and stuff, you know, in yeah. an Age of Ultron, yep. they, they, they talked about it. So it's like a lot of these scenes are things that were either talked about or implied or things that we already knew about. But I got to say my hat, I got to tip the hat to these guys because they not only did they like remind you of stuff that the audience already knows about, but they really like took you on this emotional journey uh, for Wanda. Like, because her character is like, you know, it's really not, it's really kind of understated in the Marvel movies, but her character is a bit psychologically damaged. She's going through trauma. She's trying to heal. She's repressing a lot of things. And I think they did a good job of touching uh, on the subject and not, you know, not downplaying it, but being sensitive and just having the utmost care for, for this type of situation and what she's going through. It helps recontextualize the whole show. And for me, I kind of want to watch the whole series again from the episode one, uh, knowing this information and stuff. So help really like, you know, put into context everything. So, yeah, I don't know. Would you got anything else uh, to add? You know, like, I agree with you. I, I agree. And like, I, one of the things I respect about this show so much, and the reason why I love this episode so much is because a show like this that's been more character driven and more story driven and hasn't had a lot of action you know one of the things that i assumed that they was gonna do with the last two episodes is like make them these big um Marvel action movies. movies basically like just yeah. go straight you know and they might still do it in the last one and i think at this point the fans deserve it. it yeah they've <laughs> earned it so i think they're gonna do it with the last episode but i was just so impressed with they stuck to their guns and they didn't say okay now we gotta have you know the witch and and um wanda fight you know we gotta have this big explosion and you know if you see the end credit scene of the last episode you would think like oh now you know the quicksilver guy gotta fight you know uh what's her face and it, monica. like yeah. monica yeah and you just felt like okay it, it could have just been all of that but instead they went for more character you know and and really when you like watch this episode you really realize that this whole season this whole uh, uh show has been basically a character study for wanda it's just been a character study of her trauma and how she's dealing with her pain that's basically what this show is about it's not even a like your typical you know marvel anything it's just a character study and for them to have the balls to do that you know it's it's just unbelievable it's, it truly is a great show and uh, I love this episode. This probably, I think this is like my second favorite episode. My favorite episode is when she first went out of the hex and uh, or whatever. That shit was fire. But um, this is probably like my second favorite episode. The only thing I didn't really like about it, at least for now, is the beginning. Like with the witch showing, you know, showing, uh, uh, what's her name? Agatha. 
the hardness, whatever, uh-huh. like showing her, like her, like little mini origin. I just didn't feel like what was the point of that. Like we didn't need necessarily need it yet, but I, I think it is going to come into play. Cause I think uh, Wanda is going to be like the same Scarlet witch as her mom or something like that. And I think that's how that's going to come to play. But as of now, I was like, well, what was the point of that? Like they could have just jumped right into it, you know, right into the story. So, but yeah, I, I, I love this, this show so far. And yeah. I got to be a bit controversial here, like, and I hate when I got to be controversial, but I kind of like WandaVision better than The Mandalorian Season 2. Like, so far, I think, you know, WandaVision Season 1 is better than um, The Mandalorian Season 2, even though I like The Mandalorian Season 2 a lot. I think quality-wise and writing and acting-wise and story, it's a better better, uh, season than The Mandalorian Season 2. I don't know if that's controversial. I don't think that's really a hot take because I will say that. Well, I know people love the Mandalorian. So, you know, yeah, I get that. But I'm thinking more of myself. Like I had my problems with the Mandalorian with its pacing and how frustrating it was um, that the plot wasn't moving where I think with this one, the, you know, I think for me, what, what makes I remember, this show... I, well, to be fair, I do remember you saying them same kind of words like early on and like yeah. around like episode three, you were like, okay, what's going on? But once on? episode four happened, things were on track for me. Like, I think yeah. for me, like it was a slope, it was like a slope uh, burn. But the thing is, well, the way they paced it is like kind of like an exponential like graph where instead of it like, you know, sl- slowly, steadily rising like uh, on a steady stream, mm-hmm. it like it like started shooting up like a curve, like started skyrocketing mm-hmm. straight up. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it, it it works. Whereas like the Mandalorian was a bit of like a straight line with like a, a constant slope. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I think for me, like the, uh, the, 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 pl- the pacing works better in WandaVision. Um, and I think that it, it, it builds on itself. Whereas the Mandalorian, it's sort of like self-contained uh, for the mm-hmm. most part until like the last yeah. couple episodes when still they started finally until they finally started building on themselves. Yeah, I um, mean it's, it's two different forms of storytelling. I mean that's why I said season two. Like season one, I think season one is slightly better than WandaVision, but it's just two different types of storytelling. I think like WandaVision is all one big story, so it's like you do feel like you're just following a story week by week, and um. The Mandalorian is like individual episodes and they just drop just a tidbit of story in each one and then it kind of comes back into play later on in other episodes. So it's it's more, you got to have more patience, I think, for The Mandalorian because it's like yeah. each episode seems like a filler episode, basically, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, but either way, like, I'm, I got to say that WandaVision, just to your, to your, uh, your sentiment it definitely is a top tier show and i definitely do hope that the show gets nominated for an emmy that uh paul bettany and elizabeth olsen also get nominated for emmys for best best actors um i feel like that's uh i think that i think it has a high chance I, i think it has a high chance man like this is quality like the quality of this show isn't even like it's a marvel like show in terms of like no diss to Marvel like Marvel's great but I'm saying just in terms of like you could take this serious as if it was same similar to like how when the Joker came out a couple years ago like you don't look at it as oh just a comic book film you actually can look at it as a film and that's why I got all those Oscar nominations I feel like the same thing can be said with this show like the acting is top notch the writing is top notch the directing is top notch like it's it's real quality and I feel like Elizabeth Olsen 
I think if she don't get nominated, it might be a robbery. I don't know. I mean, I haven't <laughs> seen all the other shows. I'm not a big show watcher, so I, I can't really judge. But, man, she's special in this. Yeah, that part where she had, like, the, the letter in her hand. And then she just, like, just lets out a big scream and just, you feel it. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. Uh, and then just her, the way she's playing, like, and if you notice, she's playing multiple characters in the movie. She has to be like Wanda when she's like her regular self from like Germany. And then she's playing like the sitcom mom. And then she's playing like these, all these different roles. And it's like, it's more difficult than it seems. It's not like she's just one note being the character from the Marvel universe. Like, like you know, Bucky and Winter Soldier, they're probably just got to be their character that they normally have to be. But she's playing multiple characters and it's just impressive. All right, um, I'm so, I'm very much excited and looking very uh, looking forward to the uh, the finale. Now I'm not gonna lie, I I want the finale to be at least a minimum an hour long. If it's yeah, 30, yeah, 35 I agree, minutes, man. I agree that that's gonna be something that disappoints me because these episodes I feel like they they go by too quick, and you can't have a finale be like 37 minutes like all the other episodes. <laughs> it's like come on, bro. Unless that motherfucker start off and they just start fighting immediately, like. The first minute, boom, vision come, boom, boom, and it come, then, then okay, but, like, you know, like, give me an hour, at least. Yeah, at least an hour. I'm not going to lie, like, they got too many plot threads, like, too many characters that are up in the air, and I mean, like, a lot of, uh, of uh, you know, you know, and, and, and I still think it's a big bad that they haven't introduced yet. I still think yeah. the rabbit is something is one of these demons or one of these characters from the comics or something like that. Rabbit, I I, I still feel like they're going to introduce a villain. So like that's yeah. got a lot of stuff that you're trying to all Cram wrap up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if that's if all that being the case, like I think that preferably I would like to see it be like a ninety minute movie. Mm -hmm. Um. But if it's if it's not, I would like Matt. I would like to see if it's like a, you know, at least an hour long, especially because he got so many um, threads in, in play here. Yeah, Too many balls in the air, basically. I agree. All right. So with that with that out of the way, let's go ahead and move on to the news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. So for for top news, I, I decided to pick out uh, four stories here, simply because like these seem to be of. Uh, of consequence to talk about here. So, uh, the first thing that we were I got here is that we got confirmation of the new Spider-Man uh, movie title. It's Spider-Man Three. Uh, it's now going to be called um, Spider-Man No Way Home. And I pulled up an article here from Wired.com, and I'm going to just kind of give you guys the TLDR about this. But the uh, the the Instagram accounts of uh, the three uh, leads was uh, um, Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Jacob Batalon, who plays uh, Ned. Uh, they all uh, took to their, their social media, and they actually posted, like, real, like, stills, like, like movie stills from uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. But they were all, at the same time, putting out, like, hey, this is the official reveal of the Spider-Man uh, of the Spider-Man movie. And so... Um, Tom Holland was uh, a Spider-Man phone home. Uh, Zen Zendaya was uh, Spider-Man homewrecker, and J uh, Jacob uh, Batalone was uh, Spider-Man home slice. 
So those, it was basically a really funny troll, and it was interesting that all three actors had an official-looking mock-up of, like, the logo with those fake titles. And then finally, like, the next day, they put up a video on Sony's, like, YouTube channel where they uh, are, you know, having a fake meeting and stuff and then coming out of the meeting and then walking away. And then it pans to a dry erase board with the real title and stuff. And that's how we know that it is coming um, this December on Christmas and that's the real uh, movie title and stuff. And it's kind of funny because the dry erase board also had other fake titles that they were like pitching and stuff. And they were giving comments to like, no, that's already taken or no, that's dumb or like, that's kind of funny. And so, yeah. So now that we know all this stuff and we see these uh, ominous looking publicity stills, uh, what do you think of the title? And uh, what do you think of this uh, campaign? I, I think the campaign is genius because like, you know that's that's the it's funny because any of these new movies that come out these new superhero movies one of the big things people be excited about is what is the title gonna be what is the title gonna be and especially spider-man 3 people wanted to know the title so they kind of trolled them and and i'm not gonna lie the uh the spider-man home record title made me laugh like i was like if they're gonna call it that that means spider-man is gonna be taking somebody's wife or something like you know what <laughs> i mean like it's gonna be home record really that that shit was funny as for the name of the title, No Way Home, I don't really like it that much. Like, I, I just feel like it, it feels gimmicky at this point. Like, you know, for, uh, the first one was Homecoming, Homecoming, then Far From Home. See, I originally thought, like, I thought it was going to be cool because I thought it was going to be, like, the whole trilogy kind of about his high school life. So I thought, like, the first one was going to be, like, Spider-Man Homecoming, maybe the second one, Spider-Man Prom Night, the third one, uh, Spider-Man Graduation, or something like that, you know, where it's, like, kind of going through his like high school life i thought that was what they was gonna do that would have been cool but then the second one was far from home which was cool i liked it but at this point like no way home i'm just kind of like but at the same time i always say with with uh titles you gotta have context behind it you know like once i see the movie no way home would probably be a much better title than what i'm thinking you know what i mean so like if he's off in another you know uh dimension or if he's off in another reality or one of uh, or in a multiverse somewhere and he feel like there's no way home that'd be a badass title you see what i mean so i guess it I was, depends on context. i was thinking because he's probably on the lam because he got doxxed uh, at the end of uh spider-man uh, uh yeah, yeah, far from yeah. home right so right. he's like you know now he can't go home because he's literally like people are a like fugitive. the authorities are looking yeah. for yeah yeah he's a fugitive. Uh, but i will say though that i actually don't like the title because i had it stuck in my head that because we're dealing with the multiverse i thought that the movie was going to be called spider-man homeworlds that would have so, been dope. that would have been fire like so, that ain't gonna lie that would have been fire like if they going with the multiverse and then they call it spider-man homeworlds that would have been dope so i just gotta say that um I feel like it's a like it's a letdown if they didn't do that. So, which by the way, Spider-Man Homeworlds was on that dry erase board. Um, I'm trying to see what they wrote. I can't find it here. Uh, but basically, they just but crossed see, it out. But even yeah. like based off like what you said, like it that's a cool name. If we're we're assuming that like what how the movie's gonna be like we know it should be dealing with multiverses some kind of way but at the same time you know this is a spider-man movie so i think it uh it's gonna be dumbed down it's not gonna be like the multiverse of madness dr strange you know what i'm saying that wouldn't surprise me if it's some kind of 
dumbed down version of some multiverse stuff happening. You see what I mean? Like if he ends up at the uh, Avengers Tower in a different reality and he's kind of just in there. You know what I mean? It's not going to be, I don't think, like a spectacle type of movie because of Spider-Man. So it, it, it really depends on after we see the movie then we'll see, like, if, you know, Spider-Man Home Worlds would have been a perfect match. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it really does depend on the movie. Um, but I, I do, I think I like Home Worlds better, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they have it on their dry erase boards, which means they at least considered it. But they scratched it out, and they just said ah. boring. They said ah, boring next to you, it. Oh, man. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Um, so... There, next up, we're going to go ahead and move on to the fact that New York City's, uh, their movie theaters can finally reopen. Let's go! So well, the question is, will people return? And this is written by Variety. And so it says here, for the first time in nearly a year, New York-based movie theaters operators uh, Nicholas uh, Nicolau can breathe a sigh of relief. And that's because Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that cinemas across the five boroughs could reopen starting next month, a potential reprieve for a sector of the entertainment industry that has been walloped by the coronavirus pandemic. So it's going to, at 25% capacity, you can't operate profitably, he said. Uh, but he plans to restart his business anyways because he feels that it will be a proof that coronavirus can't be tracked back to movie theaters. He adds, within a reasonable amount of time, we hopefully will be allowed to operate at 50%, which makes more economical sense. So what do you think? Uh, first off, New York is a very big uh, like uh, market. market. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but the fact that they're going to say you can only sell 25% of you know seats that's crazy that doesn't make any sense we're talking about like if a movie theater has like 80 seats uh um 80 seats uh, in total in their in their theater like if, if it's not like other their bigger theaters then you're talking about only selling 20 tickets max and on top of that you're 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 not going to get much foot traffic which means you're not going to sell much popcorn you're going to be running at a def deficit I would imagine some theaters might be better off staying closed. I don't know, but no, nah, I mean, like, I think it's like literally what he said, like that. You got to think about it. this: like movie theaters has been the one um, business that's been treated unfairly. I believe in this coronavirus whole pandemic thing. Like, think about think about your everyday life. Does it really feel like a pandemic anymore? Like in terms, I know it still is, but I'm saying if you need to go to get some groceries, guess what? You go to Walmart, it's packed in there. It's not any like other than people wearing masks. It feels like how Walmart usually feels. If you go to um um uh like some kind of uh, if you go to like Top Golf or something just to have a good time, you go in Top Golf, everyone's in Top Golf. It's not like some you know they might have a couple of protocols where they like space you out more, but it's pretty much feels like Top Golf. You see what I'm saying? Mostly anything you want to do is like the normal world, but when it comes to movie theaters, right? It's like oh no, now that got to be shut down because of the pandemic. It's like are you serious? You're sitting down. You're spaced apart. Like, in a grocery store, literally people could touch the same food and put it back. Like, that's more, you know, and it's more people. So you can't have, like, distance like you want to. It's, it's people everywhere. You see what I'm saying? But that's allowed to be open, and a lot of other things are allowed to be open. But when it comes to movie theaters, it's like, no, 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 that got to be shut down for some reason. Like, that's the biggest way you could catch a coronavirus uh, virus or something. It's like, come on now. So I think the whole point of doing this isn't to make a profit. It's just to show that, look, you could come to the theater 
and it's going to be all right. Matter of fact, you could come to the theater and it's a less chance of you getting it than going to Whataburger and ordering food and in line with a bunch of people right next to you or anywhere else or going to a gas station and the gas station is full with people all around. So the point is just to show like, look, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? They probably hope to do this for maybe a month or two, a couple of months, just to show that, look, there's not been any cases. Everything's all right. Let us open up how we want to because I think is everything's going to be good. And it's, I think it's just strategy. I don't think they're opening it just to make money or, or to try to make a big box office splash, but just to show that it's going to be all right. And then down the line, they can open up and do how they normally do. All right, just uh, read for more from this article. It says here, for larger cinema chains such as AMC Theaters, it's more realistic to reopen in two weeks despite the short turnaround. AMC has ha has the biggest footprint in the country, plans to reopen all 13 venues in New York City on March 5th. Adam Aaron, the company's CEO, said on Monday the decision is to, quote, uh, it's another step towards restoring the health of the movie theater industry. So you're, you're uh, definitely the... the, the the big wigs are definitely exciting with you, and they want to see this uh, this industry be profitable, especially because, you know, that's the industry that they work in. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I, I mean, it's um, there's there definitely hasn't been any like uh, known cases of uh, a coronavirus being you know backtracked to theaters that are currently open even right now. So you're right in that regards. I mean. The thing about like, you know, a Whataburger or Walmart is that they are considered essential, um, you know, service, essential businesses. Yeah. Um, theaters, you're sitting in a room with a, with a circulated air in this same boxed room. You know, you're you guys are all going to be breathing the same air. So I'd imagine that's something it's it's something that's, um, you know, you're it's going to be hard. to It's hard to wrap your head around because the thing is, you're, you're not really realistically expected to keep your mask on while watching the movie because you're going to buy popcorn and drinks and stuff. So. Well, I mean, I, I, look, mean, I, I it, it's definitely a risk, but, and, and it's definitely, I understand Walmart is essential, so you have to have that, but my point to you is that it's less of a risk than Walmart. So whatever the risks are at AMC, just think of it as, as a less of a risk at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Walmart, no one wears gloves. People touch everything, put a bunch of stuff back. You all, you in the vicinity of everyone everywhere. You know what I'm saying? You might even bump into somebody, like, you know what I mean? People take masks off and on. You got the people that... Uh, that anti-maskers go in there like it's so much stuff you know what i'm saying you got to check out at the register it's so many more ways that you could catch corona at a grocery store than at a amc so yes it's a it's definitely a chance you're right and you're gonna breathe in the same air all this stuff you're correct but i think it's about weighing it's about weighing the, the your chances you know yeah, yeah, no, of course. I mean, like, I, I'm not going to lie. I got, like, a little... I haven't been to the movie theaters. I've been wanting to go to the movie theaters, but, you know, like, I sometimes I have, like, a little stuffy nose, and I just don't want to go because I don't want to risk it, you know? But even though, like, I don't, I'm not really truly sick or anything, I just, yeah. you know, sometimes I can't tell if it's just allergies or something like that. So, I, yeah. so I just... I'm being very considerate as well. So, yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to some other big news now. This is a, this is a, big, a big story here. So... Nickelodeon creates Avatar Studios to create a new Avatar uh, Legend of Korra content. And the goal is to create new films and TV shows. And this is written by The Verge. And so Viacom CBS has announced a new studio based entirely around the Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra. Avatar Studios will create, quote, original content spanning animated series and movies, close quote, according to a press release. 
Avatar and Korra original creators Michael uh, DiMartino and Brian uh, Konit, uh, excuse me, Konietzko are joining Nickelodeon as co-chief creative officers of Avatar Studios. The first project is an animated theatrical title set to begin production soon. More information will be announced soon, according to the company. Having exclusive Avatar and Korra content is pretty key for Nickelodeon and Viacom CBS new streaming service, Paramount Plus. While the company's business strategy is to license out a number of its shows and films on a non-exclusive basis, by the time Avatar and The Legend of Korra uh, return to Netflix, subscribers may have associated the show specifically with the streaming platform. The show uh, became the most watched ne- title on Netflix around May 22nd when it returned to Netflix. The series was also previously available on amazon prime video so that's uh i just gotta say that that's uh that's really awesome that they are uh, the original creators of avatar are you know basically co-founded this new uh studio and are, are in charge of the creative direction that is really awesome and um it's really interesting because uh there is currently an avatar live action netflix series that's currently in the works and those two creators they were shoved out of that movie they were they parted ways with that production because they were um you know they weren't liking things they were having notes and then they were like netflix was like shut up we know what we're doing i guess is from what it it sounds like and now they were like you know what screw it we're out and then they, they parted ways on bad terms because of, quote, creative differences. And now you can see that they, they, might, they might possibly have the last laugh because now they're the head of their own animated studios and now they can do whatever they want. And I'm glad that Nickelodeon is giving them basically like, you know, a blank check to do whatever. So what do you think of this news? How do you feel? Man, I think this is terrible news. Um, what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, this is oh great God, news. No, nah, this is uh, this is great news. This is like what you like to see. You know, this is what you like to see. You like to see uh, people get their freedom to do, especially people that created, you know, whatever the uh, content is, get to have the freedom to do what they want. And it, it, it really is a smart move because, listen, if Netflix does the, the show, the last Airbender show, it. They're still yeah. working on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they do the show, and it sucks. Guess what? <laughs> everybody going to want to see what, you know, everybody going to watch the Avatar Studios, you know, shows on Nickelodeon, right? Now, if they do the the if they do the, the show and it's great, guess what? Everybody's still going to want to watch the Avatar um, shows on Nickelodeon because they want to pull up that content, right? So it's, it's popular, not a situation yeah. where it's like, oh, this is going to stop people from watching or No, it's like... Whether that's good or bad, now the 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 pressure is a bit on Avatar Studios now because now y'all got to bring it. You know, y'all have to bring it. You know, it's, you know, I'm pretty sure they will because it's there. They created it, so they know what they're doing. But they still have to have good content for sure. But I, you know, this is the stuff I like to see. Go get your money. Go, you know, you know, sign. If you don't like the way something's going down in Hollywood, sign you a deal and where you could do it yourself. I know it's easier said than done, but. That's what they did, and so I I think it's cool. Okay, and to finish out the article, it says here, Paramount Plus is Viacom CBS's rebranded entry into the streaming space. It will launch on March 4th, which is like in a couple of days. After Viacom and CBS merged again in uh, 2019, the unified company set out to find a way to use its entire breadth of programming and franchises to make a true competitor to Netflix, Amazon, HBO Max, and Disney's empire, including Disney Plus and Hulu. 
the new streaming service will have more than 30,000 TV episodes and films across its various brands, including BET, CBS, Comedy <laughs> Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, and Paramount Pictures, alongside some aspects of live sports and news. Damn, Viacom, don't, they go hard, man. They got, they got all these, these networks under their belt. Man, and Paramount is no slouch either. It's crazy because it's like it's gonna be a billion streaming services. Listen, I ain't gonna lie. Netflix, like a lot of people talk about how Netflix is gonna uh, is basically gonna be is the origin of the end of movies and movie theaters and stuff. But really, it's the end of cable. Like, think about it. At at a time you can have cable and watch all this stuff together, like all this stuff together. Now you gotta probably have like five or six streaming services to be able to watch all the different like networks that you will watch on television nowadays it's like it's crazy like you know you got disney plus hbo max netflix hulu paramount or nickelodeon or whatever this paramount whatever plus. This, yeah, yeah paramount plus it's like it's, it's and much more you know what i mean i'm sure fox is gonna do something eventually apple tv plus and yeah. apple tv yeah it's like <laughs> god damn like really that shit gonna be more expensive than having cable if you have all of them like you gotta think of prime, prime if, video <laughs> prime video god damn like you got like this shit is expensive man like you literally gotta pick and choose uh, like all right i ain't gonna there's nothing on here for me to watch i ain't gonna get that i gotta get that like be like because if you pay for all of that shit it's more than if you pay for cable you which know, is you what gotta, i have ima- you gotta imagine this shit like 15 dollars each for all these different streaming services like and you got like eight or nine of them that shit gonna be expensive so it's yeah, crazy I, I have them all i got i even got youtube premium and i got crunchy roll god damn crunchy roll <laughs> the animated shit too god yeah. damn yeah so it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't think this stuff is going to affect movies. I think this stuff is going to affect cable television. Like, I think that's what that's going to come to an end to. Matter of fact, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised in the next five years you can't even get cable no more. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting That's an interesting take right there. Um, I'm actually going to say that, like, uh, in one way, the consumer is winning because these billion-dollar companies are pumping money into content, which is great because we get to watch quality stuff from, like, Avatar Studios and stuff like that. Um so that's awesome. Uh, creators get to make a movie and then have all these streaming services bid, like you know, like Cherry, you know, and Apple TV, you know, put the bid on and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's awesome and all, but at the same time, it's like a win lose for like for consumers because you win because you get awesome content, but you also lose because they're all the content is in different places and you can't, you know, your your dollar gets stretched thin because. Well- you just made a good point. Actually, you know, the consumers really win like a motherfucker because, like, someone like me, if I see, okay, Apple TV, like, for instance, Apple got a Martin Scorsese movie, a Leonardo and Martin Scorsese movie coming out. I'm going to get Apple TV for that movie, and then I'm canceling that shit. So now, like, <laughs> we live in a situation where we could just get a bunch of stuff, cancel it here, all right, dang, there's the, cancel it here, and maybe keep your one core, like, okay, I got Disney Plus and Netflix, I'm going to keep those two. You know what yeah. I mean? But... Any other stuff, if a show comes out that I like on that, all right, I have the subscription just until I watch that show, cancel it. Only because you don't have a choice. Like, you, someone ain't going to be trying to pay all these different, you know, things. So, you you know, you do have the option to jump around just for one movie that you may like or one show. So, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of which, I need to cancel my DAZN subscription, too. So. <laughs> see what I mean? You see exactly what I mean? <laughs> I, I got DAZN subscription just for a boxing match this past weekend. I need to cancel it because yeah. it's... See, oh, my God. The Canelo fight? <laughs> you Canelo got it for the Canelo fight? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> for the I paid for a month and there you go. Uh anyways, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on. So the Superman movie, uh there's a reboot in the works uh with uh Tanisi or Tahisi Coates and JJ Abrams. And this is written by Polygon. Uh there's no there's no actor that's currently been attached to portray the Man of Steel just yet. So author and journalist Tahisi Coates is writing a new Superman movie for Warner Brothers, uh Shadow and Act reported on Friday. A subsequent report from Deadline described the project as a quote reboot of the Superman film franchise. I uh, quote, I look forward to meaningfully adding to the legacy of America's most iconic mythic hero, Coates said in a statement to Shadow and Act. The new movie will be produced under J.J. Abrams' uh, Bad Robot label. There is no director attached and no confirmation on whether the Superman role will be recast or if Henry Cavill will don the cape again. There have been rumors circulating since 2019 that Black Panther actor Michael B. Jordan would play Superman, but nothing has been confirmed. Coates has written Black Panther and Captain America series for Marvel Comics and received special thanks in the credits of Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. His Black Panther uh, series with artist Brian Stelfreeze in particular directly inspired design elements in the MCU version of Wakanda, including the characters Kimio... the characters Kimoyo bead bracelets. So there are no further plot or character details, but Abrams told Shadow and Knack that, quote, there is a new, powerful, and moving Superman story yet to be told. Abrams and Bad Robot signed a $500 million deal with Warner Media in 2019 to produce and develop television shows, movies, and games, and digital services. So what do you think? Are we seeing Black Superman or what? Man, yeah, we gonna see Black Superman. It's some bullshit. Look, I, you know, there, there's good news and bad news here, right? It's more okay. bad news than good news to me, but okay. there's good news too. The the good news is the writer. He he is an elite writer. He's elite. Like in terms of like hiring someone that's writing, you you're hiring some of the best in the business. He's wrote phenomenal books, award winning books. You know, like you just mentioned, he did some writing on Black Panther. And so he has like experience with movies and like superhero genre stuff, you know. So he's a good writer. And uh, to me, that's good news. And also, I feel like Superman has been out of all superheroes. He's been disrespected the most. You know, he, <laughs> he, you know he's literally like he's the creator of superheroes. Like, I mean, he's the very first superhero, you know. And, you know, yet we see so many sequels to movies and so many trilogies to movies and Superman, he he get a movie every five years or something like that. Like it it's ridiculous, you know, so it's good that he's they're actually caring about Superman. They actually got something in the works for Superman. That's good. So those are the two good things. The bad things here is I can't stand when they trying to change the race of people like like <laughs> like why the fuck would you change the race of Superman black like to me that's just ridiculous I hate when they, these movies do this like don't change the race and it's usually for political type reasons it's not because like now don't get me wrong there's some act there's some characters that their roles are minimal so they change the race and it don't really matter right like they change you know James Gordon 
in the new Batman movie, he's gonna like be Nick black. Like Nick Fury. Nick Fury yeah, became or black. Or Nick Fleury. Nick Fury. Yeah, like certain shit I don't really care about. You know, I wouldn't care if they changed Lucius Fox from being black to white. I don't really care. But he's don't not a cha- he's not a main main character. He's not yeah. a main main character, right? So you know, but don't change Captain America fucking black, or don't change Black Panther white. Like it's certain <laughs> shit that's obvious. Like have common sense to to keep them the race now if they were doing some kind of like uh like joker type of movie where it's its own else world story okay i'll be cool with it because it's like that's you know that give you free range to do you know different shit i wouldn't care if you made superman a mexican or something like that like i or i wouldn't really trip because it's you know you're try it's meant to do something different when you do these else world stories but this is titled a reboot so you're like you already have henry cavill that everybody Likes oh, as Henry Cavill, even if they didn't like the movies, they like Henry Cavill. He's the perfect fit for Superman. He looks exactly like him. He's buff as fuck. He can act. You know, like he has this charisma about him. He has this likability about him. He's like the perfect Superman that people want as Superman. And and you go up, oh, fuck you. I'm recasting him. You know, it's like what to a black Superman? To me, it just shows a lack of the studio knowing and even caring what the fans and what the people want. You know, Marvel never has this problem, ever. They never have a problem. Matter of fact, I don't even think they've ever did a serious recast to any of their characters, their main characters, and they've been doing this shit for over a decade now. You and know, they only, and they, they only do is they make them uh, change the mantle. Like uh, the new Iron Man is like a right. black girl. They'll, they'll, they'll and do something not, like that. Yeah, they just right, have the but- title. Yeah, yeah, but but in and and even that that's within story. Like yeah. you'll see Captain America get old, so now and someone new takes on the mantle. Like it's in story. It's not some behind the shit bullshit where you just like, all right, this guy's no longer the new Superman. This is gonna be the new. You know, like it's like, what are y'all doing? Like seriously, what are y'all doing? You know, like are y'all serious? And and to me, it's almost like a slap in the face to Zack Snyder and Henry Cavill because what's coming out this month, the Snyder cut, right? With, <laughs> and you're going to have Superman in that bitch going hard. Like he's going to be badass, actually wearing a black suit. Ain't that ironic? And, and then you decide, okay, I'm going to undercut that and let y'all know before y'all even see this movie that you're not going to see Henry Cavill again as Superman. So you better enjoy him in this movie. Like that's some bullshit. <laughs> that's some whole ass shit. And so that, it is it, to me it, it's just ridiculous it's, it's bad news to me uh and i also don't like jj abrams i'm not wow. a wow yeah jj abrams here's the thing with jj abrams real quick the thing with jj abrams he has a lot of talent but jj abrams is too safe for me like he's gonna do, play every he's gonna go he's gonna be safe he's not gonna do anything bold like new ambitious and, yeah. yeah like like i guarantee if jj abrams was running something at marvel he wouldn't have made wandavision like you're saying wandavision you know he would have did something more something you're more used to seeing because he's scared to try something new you know same with star wars what did he do with star wars the force awakens he just made it a new hope you know what did he do with star i mean with star trek he made it just star wars you know what i mean like what you, you see what i mean like he's not what did he do with star wars the uh the rise of skywalker he just tried to please the fans and he and forced undo the, episode eight yeah right and so you know he's too safe so i feel like if he does anything he's gonna try his hardest to to not do anything bold and new it's gonna be the you know you probably could predict the whole damn movie from the start 
So I don't know, man. To me, you know, we'll have to wait and see if they do end up casting Michael B. Jordan. That may I, I at least like him as an actor, you know. So that speaking be of Michael, news. speaking of Michael B. Jordan, uh, Black Johnny Storm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Black. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean. So but, it's but like, damn. You, they how gonna, did you? What did you think of Black Johnny Storm when you, when it when it first happened? I I didn't really, I didn't like it. Like I I didn't like it because I didn't care, but I didn't like it. You know, um, because it's it's just an example of Hollywood does this. Hollywood says, okay, we need a black, we need someone black in the movie. Cat, recast one, make somebody black. You know, they they do, <laughs> they do this instead of bring characters from the comics that are black. Bring me Static Shock. I've been waiting for a Static Shock movie or a Static Shock show for the longest. Bring me some. Bring me uh, John Stewart, the Green Lantern. You know, like, like do something. Bring some of these black characters, like Marvel did with Black Panther. You see what I mean? Like, we don't yeah, need you to turn characters that's white black. I don't need a black Wolverine. You know what I mean? Just give me some characters that are black, but don't force no black characters in the movie because Hollywood says you need to do so. Or whatever. So it's it's just it's just, it's a mess, and we're gonna see how bad this is gonna turn out. Okay. We'll definitely keep an eye on this story for for more updates and stuff. Uh, I I mean, just as far as my opinion on the situation, I'm a little bit like, mm, like kind of like uh, very laissez-faire about this situation. I don't really feel strongly one way or another. I mean, I would if I were my choice. I'm gonna tell you this right now. If it were my personal choice, I would just say give us Man of Steel two with Henry Cavill. Right, like straight up, and and the thing is, I just watched Man of Steel the other day. I love that movie. I just watched it again the other day. That movie is so good. Like it's just the world that Zack Snyder created in that movie. He never lived up to with the other movies, but he started off with creating like this grounded type of sci-fi world that I really liked. And it's like, oh well, we're never seeing that again. <laughs> yeah, now we're we're now eight years removed from. Uh... From Man of Steel, by the way, yeah, uh, in two years it'll be the decade anniversary. Hopefully, if with the show still going on, we'll we'll see it in uh, Back to the Future. All right, um, let's go ahead and get onto some extra news here. So uh, I'm going to read the headlines here and some juicy, juicy stuff here. Number one, Tom Holland was almost Finn in the Star Wars sequel trilogy, as he claimed that he was about five or six uh, rounds in, of auditions in, and then he bombed his audition. Number two. Loki gets a June 11th, 2021 release date. Number three, AMC gives millions in bonuses to executives while 30K employees were furloughed. Number four, Blade po uh, possibly confirmed to be PG-13 via a panel where Kevin Feige said, quote, we've not never encountered a story or a storyline or a character's journey that a PG-13 or the tone or the ratings that we've been using up to this point have prevented us. We've never been held back by it. Number five, Paramount Plus to stream Mission Impossible 7, A Quiet Place Part 2, and Paw Patrol, um, the movie, after 45-day theatrical window. Number six, Spider-Man No Way Home is the final film on Tom Holland's contract with Tom stating he doesn't know what the future holds, and if given the opportunity, he would love to continue to playing the role. Number seven, District 10 screenplay being worked by Neil uh, Blomkamp and Charlotte Copley. Number eight, CW edits out Ruby Rose's Batwoman out of an Arrowverse uh, special with the footage that was taken from Crisis on Infinite Earths. Number nine, Aladdin star Mina uh, Masood is rumored to be Ezra Bridger, Bridger in the Ahsoka spinoff series. Number 10, Tom and Jerry opened to $14.1 million this past weekend, making it the third highest opening weekend since the start of the pandemic, with Wonder Woman 1984 at $16.7 million and Tenet at $20.2 million. So, 
A lot of juicy headlines here, uh, Troy. Is there anything that like catches your attention? Yeah, a few of them. Um, Loki, we're getting a release date. That's cool, you know, because one of the things I was like, come on, man, when y'all going to drop when it's coming out? It's actually further back than I thought because we've had trailers for Loki for a while now, so I, I'm surprised that it's kind of way in June, but June will be here for you know it. I'm super excited for Loki. It's actually perfect because remember how we say we told you, we said about like how they're going to be mon- monkey branch swinging between series? Right, right, we got, it makes sense, yeah. We got WandaVision right now, and then it, and then uh, one week special for like the making of and stuff, and then we go on to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Soldier and then yeah. and, and then when May we got the Star Wars, uh, the Bad Batch, and oh. then and then um, and as well as Black Widow, and then in June you get Loki, and then on top of that there's a Marvel What If series that hasn't been dated, Ooh. and there's a and there's a Miss Marvel series that also going to be coming out this year hey, as well. So basically, yeah, they, they're doing their thing, man. Basically, 2021 sense. is just like boom. Like yeah, just, yeah, damn. yeah. Like it's like it's almost like Disney Plus heard us bitching about not having <laughs> enough content, and they just said, "All y'all, shut up! All y'all, just shut up!" From here to the rest of the year, it's yeah. all done. Yeah. yeah, and then December's so, gonna happen. We got the Mandalorian and back for season season three, or you know, or the yeah. book of Boba and I Fett. Yeah, I think at the end of this year it's supposed to be that Boba Fett too, that Boba yeah. Fett show. So yeah, basically, so, yeah, we're, we we're, they. Uh, they Cadillacing right now. Yeah, real talk. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about the Loki. I'm uh, it's it was funny to saying that Tom Holland was almost Finn. To me, that would have been. I don't think that would have worked. I like I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like he's too skinny to be Finn. But uh, like, but uh, I I don't know. Like that's funny to me how he botched the audition. But I you know Tom Holland's he's such a talented actor. It didn't surprise me that he got other big roles like Spider Man. Um, also Blade, Blade being PG-13. Now, look, man, I'm 50-50 <laughs> on this. Like, real talk, this is why I'm 50-50 on this. Because th- that boy Kevin Feige keeping it 100, right? Like, PG-13 has gotten so dark these days. You could do, like, like okay, like, just say if he's fighting a bunch of vampires, right? You could cut up vampires and shit, and, like, it, it'll just be just like if you're cutting up a, a CGI monster. You notice they don't mind in these PG-13 movies if you cut and kill a, a CGI monster, you know, it, it'd be all right. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like Blade would be, you know, sl- slicing up humans and stuff like that. Like, he's going to be slicing other vampires. And so you could get away with that being PG-13 and it looking badass and clean as fuck. So I understand where Kevin Feige is coming from. He like, look, if we don't have to make it R-rated, why would we do it? Like, that's less money in our pockets, you know? And But at the same time, Blade is associated with R-ratings. So I, he's just as associated with R-ratings as Deadpool. You know, yeah. maybe not as much because Deadpool cusses and all this stuff. But well, Plus, Deadpool and Logan have proven that rated R superhero movies can work. Right, exactly. You know, so at the same time, but but... At the same time, Disney ain't in the rated R business. You see what I'm saying? So it got to fit the, with the Marvel Universe. You can't have one and one movie is all rated R and then he goes to one and then he in a PG-13 movie and then it feels weird because it was like, wait a minute, you was just like cussing and stuff in your movie and cutting people's heads off. Now all of a sudden you're like all dumbed down. So I, you know, it, I, I get it. Look, I get either way. You know, if it's PG-13, I'm going to be cool with it. If it's Rated R, I'm gonna be cool with it, you know. But I understand people being pissed off if it's PG-13. No, no Look, lie. But for all me, I'm saying 
is if they bring Charlie Cox's ne- uh, Daredevil into the MCU, you okay. can't say that that doesn't work because Daredevil on Netflix is basically rated R. Yeah, so. but see, the, but see, the 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 Netflix shows aren't a part of the Marvel universe. Basically, not anymore. Like, but, it, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's not like, and you could already tell that, that, like, you notice that no one from none of those shows, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, I mean, Jessica Jones, uh, yeah. Daredevil, all those, none of them showed up in Marvel movies. Like, so you could tell they like disassociated themselves with those shows you know what i mean like technically from their end that was like oh we're in the marvel universe but none of them shows were really never part of the marvel universe in my opinion so i don't really count them you know what i mean like the movies is where it really counted or these new era of disney plus shows those you could tell the difference between movies that are shows that are meant to be a part of the universe and like the daredevil shit that was like on the side like okay you know <laughs> you know like that's them are like stepchildren like okay you know whatever um <laughs> yeah so but yeah those were the ones that that uh stood out to me i think tom holland's playing the game really well because he gave out an interview and he's saying oh yeah my contract's over and stuff i'd like to oh you know, yeah he's yeah. out there trying to play yeah. hardball and making people like cry foul so that way yeah. you can get a good contract and get, get a, a, smart, a pay I mean, raise it's a, it's a smart move it's a smart move you know it's yeah. a smart move because that's what happened. That's what happens with these studios. I think like it's one of the reasons why WB don't want to recast Henry Cavill as Superman. Because when these dudes' contract is up, they want more money. They're not finna just resign and say, "All right, same here's money. the same contract for yeah. the same amount of movies." They're like, "Okay, I've played this role now. Give me more money." And the studios are like, "Damn, you know what I mean?" And I think <laughs> that's kind of where Tom Holland's like, "Look, all right, I've been Tom Spider Man now for a few films, and everybody loved me, so I'm." need I'm, more money you know I'm what i'm genuinely mean? surprised that his contract was only six movies deep i would imagine they would have tried to sign him for like a nine movie deal or something but yeah but know. that's kind of that's t- kind of too much you know I, I think a lot of people would turn that shit down like nine <laughs> movies you know how long that is like that's crazy <laughs> um also by the way paramount plus making moving and shaking here because basically the mission impossible seven and a quiet place part two they're going to have a 45-day theatrical window, and then they're on streaming services. Wow, really? Yeah, that's what it says here. Uh, Damn. They're, uh, they're going to be deb- debuting on Paramount Plus right after the 45-day window is over. That's basically nothing. I could wait 45 days. Now, I'm not going to get Paramount Plus because that's just too many damn streaming services. But, you know... <laughs> I, th- I mean, I might. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, but, I mean, that's smart because movies like that is what uh, gets someone to subscribe to your shit, at least temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, plus not to mention, you know, you you know, used to be like theatrical windows used to be 90 days. Now they just cut it in half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and plus not to mention, you know, the, the in this current climate, we just talked about how Tom and Jerry had $14 million opening weekend. That's like the third highest best weekend since the pandemic there's really not a whole lot of money to be made at the box office at this current juncture so hopefully they'll um, you know recoup their loss and maybe paramount plus can people can be buying into the subscriptions maybe i will to help throw my head in the ring and just you know give them like eight bucks or whatever ends up being so that's awesome um the last thing i just want to say the cw are some hoes for i i looked at the stills like there's like a side by side and uh, Ruby Rose's Batwoman is standing in the lineup like a squad picture with like Barry Allen and Supergirl and everything and then they just photoshopped her out of the shot and I'm like what the hell that's that's kind of fucked up I mean damn do you, do you gotta be that dirty shit yeah that's some hoe ass shit I ain't gonna lie <laughs> 
but yeah, so that's really awesome. I, uh, definitely a lot of a lot of juicy stuff here in this uh, extra news. I'm, I'm, I've been going hard on making sure that these are nice, uh, decent uh, headlines to latch onto here. So, anyways, uh, let's go ahead and move on to check this out. So not a whole lot going on here on Check This Out here. I just pulled up a, a trailer for a Pixar movie. It's called Luca. It looks interesting. Um, it's basically got like this like mermaid thing going on where like you get water on them and then their fish version kind of sort of comes out. It's going to be coming out this summer. So um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say. It didn't leave quite that much of an impression on me, but it's it's kind of like a teaser trailer. And I that's mean, what I was going to say. Well, yeah, that Pixar is, I mean, it's Pixar. It's going to be good. So that's how I see it. Yeah, I think Pixar at the point now where they're like, look, it's a Pixar movie. Just, you know what I'm saying? You know what's up. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not about to show you as much shit that you want to see. You know what's up. It's Pixar. Like, they earn that. So, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that movie when it comes out this summer. For sure. for topic of the show so for last week's topic of the show we pulled up uh, like a like we did like a prediction special where we talked about who we think was going to win and so troy let me ask you this who do you think won between the two of us just 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 take a guess uh i'm gonna say me hey there you go <laughs> you're believing yourself that's what's up so it was actually me uh, i won i won by only one point difference gosh damn uh, you got six out of fifteen right, and I got seven out of fifteen Damn, right. Damn, you clutched it at the end. <laughs> Damn. So I'm not gonna lie though, because we got a majority of like the bigger categories wrong. All right. So I'm gonna tell you this right now. Let's go ahead and just run over the winners. And first off, actually, before we run over the winners, let me ask you: Did you actually watch the Golden Globes? No, not at all. Damn. <laughs> yeah, nah, I've never. I, I, I'm not a Golden. Glo- I've never been a Golden Globes guy. All right. So, the um, first off, it was uh, it was kind of like the Game Awards. It was like a, a like a, a Zoom meeting basically, where they had all these actors and producers and everyone like they were just watching it remotely, and then they would cut away to people on their webcams and stuff. They were trying to make it like this integrated show and stuff, and like everyone's like clapping along and stuff. And so, okay, the way it worked was um, they had Tina Fey and uh, Amy Poehler, and they're on different coasts. And they did their monologue together. They basically like were playing off of each other as if they were in the same room. They had the two cameras, you know, centered on them. And then they cropped them to look like they're standing next to each other because they had similar backgrounds with their golden floor and the golden walls behind them and stuff. And so it was like it kind of blended really, really nice together. And then they even had like this like uh, quick little gag where like Tina Fey just sort of like in her monologue, she just reaches out with her left arm and like puts her arm on Amy Poehler's shoulder. And so it was kind of funny because it was cropped. And so you had somebody else's arm that was like like kind of like on Amy Poehler's shoulders. And then they were cropping the shots to make it so that their arms like lined up perfectly. So it was just like one arm and that was pretty dope. It was pretty good. I liked it. Um, but they were trying to, they were um, basically had this giant big ass screen behind them where they put the nominees behind them and like, and cut to the winner. And like, it was really like a streamlined show, kind of like the game awards. And uh, they, uh, what they did was 
they had the audience be first responders. So a bunch of like uh, first responders that were in masks and just kind of like separated, like tables were far apart. They were very uh, li limited, small number of people. They basically had like the, the audience clapping and you can hear like, you know, you know, the applause and stuff. And then they were basically able to sort of pull off an award show. Um, that I will say that uh, there was a um, there was a situation where Jason Sudeikis won for his his acting category that he was nominated in, and since he won, he was in a hoodie while while getting his acceptance speech. So he's literally the first actor to win an award in like casual wear and like not in a tuxedo or anything anything like that. Yeah, that's what's up. Nah, uh, that that's cool how they you know what I'm saying how they made it work. You know what I'm saying like. And you could tell they put a lot of thought and effort into it, you know. I wonder if it was a coincidence that they had similar backgrounds and stuff, or did they, like, try to set that up, you know what I mean? Um, I'm pretty sure it was all, like, set up like that. But uh, I just got to say that with Jason Sudeikis' uh, uh, hoodie that he was wearing, it was actually, like, a branded hoodie from his sister's company. And um, it was, like, based off of, like, a New York City dance studio that she owns. And so what ended up happening was right after uh, he won the award, um, that hoodie sold out on the online immediately. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> but uh, other stars um, were dressed up in full-on, like, dresses and gowns and, like, you know, were doing it real big. Like, because there was no red carpet, but... Um, Rosamund Pike was, uh, you know, shouted out for her awesome red, red dress that she had. It looked really awesome. She was wearing the hell out of it, but she was, instead of wearing heels underneath that dress, she was wearing boots underneath it. And, uh, and it kind of was like, it looked, people were giving her like, you know, kudos to her being, you know, fashionable, but also being practical because, you know, you don't, you're at home anyways. Why do you need to yeah, wear yeah. heels? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, look, they looked like they could, uh, you know they're comfortable they're not hurting her ankles or anything like that which heels tend to do um so yeah that's kind of like the uh i just want i just wanted to say just like in general like that's the awards in a nutshell i also did not watch it i, I watched like the monologue which nbc put up on their youtube channel um i watched the full monologue and it was really good and i also watched um highlights like a uh, quick like tidbits like here's the quick highlights of the show um, in yeah. preparation for the show because i really didn't want to watch the golden globes either uh so <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna lie though, but just having watched the clips that I've watched and seeing how they pulled it off, I am more um, how do I put it? I'm more optimistic for the Oscars because I would imagine that the Oscars is gonna adopt a similar format. So, yeah, and they're probably gonna do it way better. So anything that the Golden Globes did, they're probably gonna do better. So if the if the Golden Globes did a solid job, then you know the Oscars probably gonna have a nice little show. Yeah. So so on to the winners uh, for the Best Picture Drama, uh, Nomadland won. And uh, mm. we got we got it wrong. I, I guess Promising Young Woman and uh, Troy, you you guessed Mank. Uh, mm. For Best Picture Musical Comedy, I guessed Hamilton and Troy guessed The Prom. But the winner was Borat, subsequent mm. movie film. Yeah. Uh, for Best Actress, uh, Motion Picture Drama, um, I guessed Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman, and Troy guessed Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But the winner was Andra Day. Uh, for the U.S. versus Billie Holiday, and I watched the clip. She gave a very good uh, acceptance speech, and she was very, like, emotional and stuff. Oh, um, yeah, that's cool. I, I always liked that. Yeah. <laughs> so for Best Actress, uh, Musical, or Comedy, we both got it right. We both guessed Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot. Hey, look, hey if we would have got that wrong, then it would have been some kind of problem. <laughs> um, for 
the uh, <clears throat> uh, for best actor for motion picture drama, uh, Troy, you got it right. Um, I guessed Anthony Hopkins for The Father, but Troy, you guessed Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that maybe because he passed away, that kind of you know helped him out a little bit, but not saying he didn't deserve it. Yeah, of course. Uh, and also, I, I believe it was her. I saw the clip. I didn't really see it like the full clip, but it looked like it was like Chadwick Boseman's like nearest next of kin that accepted the speech on her behalf. And she was very emotional. And, you know, it was really it looked it looked good. Um, didn't watch the again. I haven't watched the whole show, but um, let's go ahead and move on. Best actor. Uh, we both guessed Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton. Hey, got but, another one, coach. Let's get it. But the act, the actor that won was Sasha Baron Cohen for a Borat subsequent movie film. <laughs> uh, I'm all yeah. talking like I just got the shit right. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is Best Supporting Actress Motion Picture. Again, we got this one wrong. I guessed uh, I guessed uh, Elena Zengel for News News of the World. Uh, Troy guessed Amanda Seyfried for Mank. But the winner was Jodie Foster for The Mauritanian. Damn it, man. I should have picked Jodie Foster because, like, she's such a great actress that that's who I usually go with. <laughs> but you watched Manx, so I'm pretty sure that's what made you uh, choose her. All right, and moving on, let's go ahead and uh, move on to the next category, which I won this category. Best Supporting Actor Motion Picture. Troy, you guessed Leslie Autumn Jr. for One Night in Miami. I guessed Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. And mm. I got it right. Yeah, good shit. So, best director, we both guessed David Fincher for Mank. I followed your lead on that one. Uh, turns out Chloe Zhao won for Nomadland. Um, best screenplay, we both got it right. We both guessed Aaron Sorkin for The Trials of the Chicago Seven, which you know, you know, you know, you can't go wrong with Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, you can't go wrong with him. We actually got the next two um, also correct as well. We both guessed Soul for Best Picture Animated and Best Score. That was probably and, the easiest one. <laughs> they were easy layups, exactly. Yeah. Um, now here's a sad one. Best drama series, we both guessed The Mandalorian, and unfortunately, The Crown won. Mm, so, uh, for best musical or comedy series, we both guessed it correctly for Shit's Creek, and you like you guessed it because of the name. Uh, I guessed it because <laughs> I heard I heard of it. Uh, <laughs> so either way, we both got to the same we got to the, we got to the same destination. Yeah, now this is where. Up. This is where I, t I, I uh, so up until now, like into the, up until these categories, we both got six points. And this is where I, I beat you and I, I won on this last, on the very last category, best limited series or best uh, television motion picture. Uh, you guessed normal people and I guessed the Queen's Gambit and I won because of yeah. Yeah, I got it right. God damn. <laughs> so there you go. So that was uh, so that was the uh, the Golden Globes uh, little wrap up here, our our prediction special, and uh, basically, uh, yeah, it's um, it's got the Oscars have some hope after this, and so I'm glad that awards shows aren't exactly over yet. So uh, let's go ahead and and move on to our next segment, Netflix and Show. So for Netflix and Show, we're um, got a whole new it feels like every week they just for the most part the 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 the, the charts like reset themselves here so number one on on uh, on netflix is something called Ginny and georgia the number two is bigfoot family number three slides from number one last week to i care a lot 
Number four is Age of the Samurai Battle for Japan. Number five is Behind Her Eyes. Number six is iCarly. Number seven is Good Girls. Number eight is Canine Intervention. Number nine is Firefly Lane. And number 10 is Coco Melon. I just got to say, number eight, Canine Intervention, basically looks like one of those, uh, <clears throat> what's that, the Dog Whisperer with like Caesar? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the Dog Whisperer. It basically is that, but with another guy. It's not. What's his name? Caesar or something like that, or Caesar. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but basically they just they just made they just remade that show is what it looks like. So, yeah. um, don't really have a whole lot to say about the Netflix chart because I haven't heard of most of these things. Like I don't. A Bigfoot Family looks like an animated kids thing, and I don't know. Ginny and George is some series and stuff. So, not a whole lot of exciting things happening for Netflix for me. What about you? Uh. Nah, not on my end. I'm trying to think. What is nah? Yeah, I don't, nah. I don't see nothing too interesting this time around. All right. So for the top ten for iTunes, number one is The Crudes and New Age. Number two is Greenland. Number three is Wrong Turn. Number four is Monster Hunter. Number five is Silk Road. Number six is Tenet. Now Tenet finally gets At kicked out of the top. Five. I know, right? God. <laughs> We were just talking about how it was holding strong, and now it finally slips. Number seven is The Swordsman. Number eight is Let Him Go. Number nine is Shadow in the Cloud. And number ten is back on the list after a couple of weeks off the top ten is The Wolf of Wall Street. So Damn. there you go. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of this list? I mean, that's crazy how Wolf of Wall Street left that bitch and came back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you can't get me off of this list. And then Tenet, I mean, don't get me wrong, Tenet out of the top five, but damn, it's still in the top ten. I wonder how long, what show are we going to do when we're saying, finally, Tenet is out of the top ten. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> and by the way, the, the Tenet has been in the top, like, three, like, since before we started this show. Because once you hit, like, iTunes... Yeah, it went to the top. It went to the top of the chart, and it's been staying there. People are still buying it. People are still that's renting crazy. it. That's crazy. Uh, so that's the only way to be on this list is if you got to you got to get that money. They're making that money. So uh, the next up, I'll just actually I I was able to pull up a list here because I've been having trouble adding this list to the top ten because I haven't been able to find like a good source on how to get the top ten. But I finally was able to get the top ten on Amazon Video. I've been wanting to put this chart in here. Uh, I just wanted to put out Amazon Video's top ten because it actually looks looks a whole lot different from iTunes's top 10 which is crazy. Number 1, which by the way, the number 1 on I, on on Amazon is not even in the top 10 on iTunes. Number 1 is Wonder Woman 1984. Damn. That's great. That's crazy. Uh number 2 is Minari, which is an uh, a foreign film that won for best foreign film on the Golden Globes uh, I believe. Number 3 is The Crudes a New Age. Now it's on here twice because the number 3 spot is The Crudes because people are renting it and then it's also again at number 7 because they're buying it. So those are the two categories that are split apart. So The Crude's at number three and number seven. Number four is Barb and Star go to Visa Del Mar. Number five is Greenland. Number six is Monster, Hunt, Monster Hunter. Number eight is News of the World. And number nine is Let Him Go. And number 10 is Freaky. So I just wanted to say that it's a completely different list. And I feel like there are two completely different audiences because you see, uh, you see like there's ho- not a whole lot of like cross section, like so much in common going on between these two lists. But what do you think of the Amazon list? Yeah. Uh, the Amazon list seems a bit, bit more like, I don't know. It's like more kids might watch Amazon stuff <clears throat> because like you think like monster hunter, you got wonder woman at, at number one, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Wonder Woman's not even in the top ten of the uh, other ones, so I think yeah. it's just a bit younger demographic. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, besides, uh, for like Amazon Prime Video, you know, people, everyone has Amazon. So I guess checking out Minari just is like an adult fare, I guess. Because I believe Minari, if I'm not mistaken, it's like the Asian foreign film, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like a drama and stuff. So yeah, completely different. So my recommendation for the week is actually going to be an old movie from 2007. It was the last movie that came out in the summer of 07. Um, it's, a, it's a movie called War, starring Jason Statham and Jet Li. You can actually watch it right now on Hulu and uh, completely forgot about that movie existing. I mean, actually, no, I really I really didn't, but I don't remember the, any scenes or the plot of the movie. I just remember the plot twist and that's it. So um, I just watched the trailer uh, when pre- uh, preparing for the show and I was like, you know what? I'm going to recommend it. Check out War. It's an action movie. It's before they were in Expendables. So there you go. What's your recommendation for the week? Uh, my recommendation uh, for the week is I think you should check out uh, a movie called um, The Red Shoe. And uh, it's it's really like it taught the, the movie called The Red Shoe. It taught everyone basically all of the a lot of the directors you watch to this day. That's legendary. It taught them how to direct. And uh, it, it truly is a, a masterpiece. Uh, and it's a it's just it's just a great learning lesson, but it's actually really fun and funny too. It's not like a lot of times these um <clears throat> older classic films, they're like boring to a lot of people that don't really understand the art. But this one is what's so masterful about it is it's really funny. Like it could come out in today in terms of like its subject matter. It could come out today and people are like it. So I think a lot of people should check out the red shoe. Okay, where can they watch it? Uh it's on Netflix. Netflix, all right. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So for new releases this week, I actually, uh, both of them are new movies that are coming to theaters. Uh, this Friday, Raya and the Last Dragon comes out in theaters and on Disney All Access, Disney Premiere All Access. Uh, long ago, in a fantasy world of Kamandra, humans and dragons live together in harmony. However, when sinister monsters known as the Droon threaten the land, the dragons sacrifice themselves to save humanity. Now, 500 years later, those same monsters have returned, and it's up to a lone warrior to track down the last dragon and stop the Droon for good. The film features a predominantly Asian-American cast, including the voices of Kelly Marie Tran as the titular Raya and Aquafina as Sisu, the titular dragon, along with Gemma Chan, Daniel Day Kim, Sandra Oh, Benedict Wong, Isaac Wang, Thalia Tran, and Alan Tudyk. Uh, I know majority of these actors' names, um, you know, because of, you know, Benedict Wong was, uh, was in Doctor Strange, and it's an, that's a good cast. Um, what do you think of uh, of this movie? Well, I mean, listen, you got I gotta watch, I gotta see how the the movie is executed. But damn, the the synopsis is so cliche. I feel like I've heard that. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that synopsis my whole life. It's like goddamn, <laughs> you know. But but the cast, like you said, the cast is very impressive. I know just about every single name you've named. Um, they've all done great stuff in other movies. Aquafina, uh, Kelly Marie Tran. I mean, all these these. Um, these great actresses and actors I, I've been so that that's something that I look forward to see. I mean, if you get a bunch of actors like that, you know, it must be something in the script or something that, you know, is gravitating people towards the material. 
Okay, next up is Chaos Walking. It's kind of out and only in theaters. Um, in Prentice Town, Todd has been brought up to believe that the Spackle released a germ that killed all the women and unleashed noise on the remaining men. After discovering a patch of silence out in the swamp, his surrogate parents immediately tell him that he's on the, he has to run, leaving him only a map of, of a of new world, a message, and many unanswered questions. He soon discovers the source of the silence, a girl named Viola. This film stars Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland, alongside Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Demian uh, Bashir, Cynthia Arivo, Nick Jonas, and David Oyelowo. So Oyelowo. Oh, I, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I couldn't say that. I couldn't speak that. But yeah, I just want to say Nick Jonas, he likes to pop up in random ass supporting roles and stuff, you know? <laughs> I like Nick Jonas was in that one movie that was like about World War II during like the Pearl Harbor movie. I forgot what it's called. Like, uh, it's the name is escaping me, but basically, uh, yeah, now just take over, say something. <laughs> yeah, nah, I, I know what movie you're talking about too. I'm just trying to think, I was trying to think of it as you thinking of it, but yeah, uh, yeah, Chaos Walking, I'm hearing negative things about it, but like... Midway, Midway. That's midway, yeah, yeah, Midway, that's what, okay. yeah, exactly, that just came out too. Uh, yeah, um, Chaos, yeah, Chaos Walking, you know, I'm hearing a lot of negative things about it, but like as you read the synopsis, it sounds interesting as fuck, like that's the very opposite of the synopsis you read before, where I felt <laughs> like I've heard that shit my whole life. I felt like this was creative and different and new and engaging, and I'm like, oh, I want to see it, but then I have been hearing a lot of negative things, but my motto is I got to watch for myself. I don't care I what no say, one else I- says. I gotta say, like Nick Jonas, Tom Holland, Daisy Ridley, Mads Mikkelsen, I feel like the, the, the talent on deck on KS Walking, it's like the bigger they are, the harder they fall kind of thing. Because like, I feel like cast-wise, I'm more interested in Chaos Walking, but like trailer-wise, I'm more interested in Ryan the Last Dragon. Well- See, I always, I'm always hesitant about a good cast, but they all superstar A-listers, right? <laughs> like that, that to me, that's always like a red flag. It's like, oh shit, let's get as many superstars in this movie because we know it's trash. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know that that like it's a difference between a good cast where it's like a bunch of great actors and stuff, but they're not the biggest names. Some might be big names, but some not. But it's about the cast. It's a difference between that and like. All A-listers, right? Like, you see what happened with Suicide Squad. You had Will Smith, Margot Robbie in there, like, all these crazy Jared Leto, and then the movie was atrocious because, like, a lot of times they do that. Hollywood do that. Try to get these names that'll make you want to go just because it's like, oh, that's Spider-Man, and that's Ray. Like, let's go see it, you know? But, um... But yeah, I still gotta check it out. I gotta check it out, you know what I'm saying? David Oyelowo is a, is a uh, top-notch talent, so... Uh, I'm sure something made him want to get in it. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's cool. I'm a pick I'm of the tr- week. What do you yeah, got? A, uh, the pick of the week. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm uh, gonna go with Raya on this one. I'm a, yeah, me too. I'm gonna go with Raya just because chaos walking, just too many red flags. I think it's gonna be, suck. But that's kind of fucked up. Is that Tom Holland had two times where we we passed him up for pick of the week two I weeks know. in a row? <laughs> well, Tom Holland, he's gonna be one of them dudes like Jared Leto, where he's he's a great talent, but he picks trash movies. You know, <laughs> like he's a great talent, but he picks terrible movies. Like other than the Spider Man movies, I don't even know if I ever seen him anything good. Like golly, okay. All right, Troy, it's your turn to share the love. Hit us up with a good old-fashioned story of a movie you grew up with. Well, see, I'm going to do X-Men, the original X-Men movie, and the reason why I'm going to do it for two reasons. Reason number one, 
is when when this movie first came out when I was young, I did not like it at all. Wow. Because, yeah, I didn't like it at all because I think, but it's the but th- for that very reason is why I picked this movie is because. X-Men really did change the game. The reason why I didn't like that movie because I was a kid and it felt like it was for grown-ups. And X-Men really was revolutionary because I think that's how Hollywood looked at movies as well. Like, you know, superhero movies are for kids, right? That's why you're getting Batman and Robin and all these corny-ass movies because they were looked at for kids. And I think really X-Men is who is doesn't get enough credit for the superhero movies we get to watch today because it became this this new era where you're not making these movies for kids. They're, you're making them that kids can watch them, but a lot of these movies like Batman Begins, I feel like Batman Begins was made partially because X-Men was successful. You, you know, the, the execs looked at X-Men and said, oh, wait, we can make a serious, grounded, more adult oriented movie you know and it still can be successful and you know years later i came back and i love x-men and i learned to appreciate it but at the time I, as a kid i was like this shit for for grown-ups i you know i don't really like you know what i'm saying if i watch a superhero movie i want to be in here having fun and woo de woo and at the time you know and this was silly at the time i actually liked batman and robin you see what i'm saying but that goes to show how backwards we were as kids you see what i'm saying yeah and so and so like it, it really x-men don't get enough credit for changing the, the game today i i don't know if x-men would have bombed in in an alternate reality x-men would have bombed and you know what didn't make money i don't know if the 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 world of superhero movies would be what they are today because i don't know if studios execs will have the the courage the green light a batman begins in a dark night and which caused to help green light iron man right would help green light and it, it, you know in the domino effect you know to get to where we are now i don't know if that would have been the case if x-men would have not been successful so you know going yeah, back and checking out x-men you can't huh? go wrong with uh, classic lines that Halle Berry delivered, such as, right. do you know what happens to toads when they get struck by lightning? <laughs> <laughs> the same thing that gets, Bro, happens to everything else. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it, that was one of the worst lines ever, but <laughs> but uh, it was iconic, and I love that line. But um, yeah, so that's, that's why I picked X-Men, because, you know, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, we're talking about like Superman. Uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, Spider-Man and we, you know, we're talking about Avengers and all these just other superhero movies coming out. And it's like I wanted to go to like kind of the root of where this, you know, this new era of superhero movies that we live in started. So I think personally X-Men is is, is an all time great comic book movie. That's fair. Um no- I gotta say, I don't think it really aged really well because, like, just action-wise, there's not a whole lot going on. Special effects also stayed Well, you know, uh, but see, that's my point in terms of, well, special effects, of course, that didn't age well, but, like, what's going to age well in special <laughs> effects? But, but that's what I mean, though. That's why, you know, I, at the time, I felt like it was boring because... X-Men was more of a just a regular serious movie. It wasn't really about, 
you know, action and trying to be fun and try, it was just trying to tell a serious movie. So if you were, I feel like if X-Men wasn't X-Men, you took the exact movie and called it next men or something like that. And it just made it its own movie. I think it'll be liked a lot more because it's like, Oh, it's just a movie. And it's cool to see these cool, like characters with powers and stuff like that. But because, you know, he's looked at as a superhero movie, there's a certain superhero expectations that come with that. But that's what I like about the movie that it had the balls to be like okay you know screw all that let's just tell a story with character good characters and things like that and that's what i like about it. i like the characters of it i like the you know i like the the um the collaboration of the, all the different you know characters it was really a s- ensemble piece and uh yeah so that, that's just what i like about it. but I, I understand what you mean about it not holding up because when i watch it I wouldn't put it over days of future past or nothing, no, no dope ass movies like that. But it just in terms of what it did for superhero movies, I don't think it get enough credit. Are we still allowed to give a shout outs to Brian Singer? Uh, no, okay, uh, the, no, okay. I'm just kidding. No, you, you, you know that, but that, I mean, that's the thing I mean about cancel culture. Like you can't take away what he did. Brian Singer, you know, he's really to be honest. You you gotta put them up there in the in the top like three directors superhero directors right like other than the Russo brothers and say Christopher Nolan you know you I might say, have I would say top ten because you also forget about um uh shit damn it director of Avengers Joss Whedon there you go yeah. well no 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 I I will put him easily over Joss Whedon because Ooh. look yeah but Joss Whedon listen this is the thing Joss Whedon is overrated in terms of what he done for the comic book movies he did Avengers one which was very successful. It was great, and it, it it launched the the new era of superhero movies in terms of crossovers. And I get it, but other than that, he did Age of Ultron, <laughs> which wasn't that beloved. Like it wasn't. It's not one of the top tier uh, superhero movies or whatever. And it's just an all right movie. You know, it didn't hold up like Avengers did. You don't get to be in the top you know directors if that's all you've done you know you look at like nolan he did the three batman movies you look at uh the russo brothers they did winter soldier civil war and two avengers movies like all of them were successful you look at uh and brian singer he did the first two x-men he did days of future Future past you know so like he's shown and i think he did the uh other um, he might have done Apocalypse from Yeah, I didn't man. really like that one, but you know he did that one too. But these dudes earned their stripes with multiple successful uh, superhero movies. You know he did two, and one of them were good, and one of them was just okay. I wouldn't put Weedon up there, you know. And mm. and if you want to count what he did to Justice League, he screwed that up. <laughs> so that that kind of goes against him too. You know what I mean? So, but you know, but uh, yeah. So you you gotta put you know Brian Singer's uh, you know taking aside of who he is outside of you know Cancel culture, uh, yeah. right? You know, uh, you gotta give him his credit for being great when it comes to these superhero movies. All right, that's a good place to end it there. And uh, now. The end is near, and so I face the final curtain. So it's time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at Ready Play Movies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chocolaka88 and Troy. Bracey Troy 58. So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show, and all that good stuff. See you next time. Mm-hmm.